Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon and good night. Good evening. <laughs> um, it's really great to see everyone. So uh, I think what I'd like to do first is start with a 15 minute sit and then we'll uh, go into the talk. Okay. All right. Do your magic there, Jessica. I need my bell. It'll be nicer with a bell. Okay, now let's start.
Okay. Hello, everyone. So nice to see you all. Um, let's start with the road chant. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Okay. So let me put you on gallery, I think. There we can see everybody. Um, so uh, hello to everyone. And um, I've been preparing for an intensive for the last couple of weeks that I'm going to do at the end of the month. And so uh, my brain is really caught up in that. So you'll have a reflection of, <laughs> of where I am in that intensive. Um, obviously, when one is, is doing that kind of thing, preparing, it requires a lot of reading. So I've been reading like crazy. And, and my process is one in which um, I choose something in particular and then and then something catches my eye and then I think well what is that about and then I go off this direction and then I see something else and I go off in another direction in that and so I end up going you know this wide source of information and that's the fun part because you can learn so much that way the unfortunate part is you have all this information and then how do you <laughs> bring it back down to uh, just a little bit, but anyway, that's my that's my process. So, uh, in particular, who I've been looking at is um, a Hey Dogen, um, uh, Danin Katagiri Roshi, and Suzuki Roshi. So there's you know top main uh, folks there that I'm looking at, and I recently. Uh, saw a particular article or it was actually a talk by Suzuki Roshi from the book not always so. And for what i'm kind of researching right now I really, really liked it, so I thought it might be nice to share it with you uh, a lot of this stuff you've heard before because it's the basics right. Um, but there's some kind of interesting 
things to just kind of ponder at the same time. So the uh, name of the actual talk is uh, Direct Experience of Reality. And um, so, and in all these three writers, Dogen, um, Katagiri, and Suzuki Roshi talk about that same thing, about what is true practice? What is true practice? And so, um, according to these guys, it's not surprising to true practice centers on Zazen. So, um, and Zazen is this simple practice that we have. And it's simple. It's not particularly well, it is kind of difficult, actually, um, to just sit down in the middle of our life. And you assume this erect posture, you know, it's kind of relaxed, but it's not, not too tight and not too loose. And then we get our hands, you know, we got to do something with our hands so we put them in the mudra, universal mudra, you know, one hand resting on the other and the thumb slightly touching so that while we're doing our zazen, we can notice what we're doing with our mudra, have our fingers slipped so they're loose or they've gotten really hard, you know, it kind of indicates what our mind state is. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then once we have the body basically set in the position, however you sit, um, we think about the, 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 the mind. So what's the mind doing as we sit in Zazen? What's that practice? So the mind, as we all know, is the element that can easily take us away from the present, just like that, because we have minds that like to entertain us. They like to entertain, they like to be entertained. They love to tell stories. They have no clue what, what the real situation is, but they can make up an answer for anything. So just loves to do that. And then we repeat experiences in our head. Well, I don't like the ending, how that ended. So maybe we can recreate it and it'll end in a different way. And we alter scenarios and, and we presume a lot of knowledge that we don't actually have. And so it's entertaining, but not, <laughs> not particularly useful, in fact. So the experts will tell us to go back to the breath, go back to the breath. And so we sit and we may count breaths. That's one, one way we can do it. Or we can watch what our breath does. We can de breathe deeply for a couple of breaths. We can deep breathe in um, shallowly for a couple of breaths. Then we can pay attention to our body while we, while we breathe in. And then we can just relax our body. That's another common way we do breath work, and it's the basis of the Anapadisada Sati. Um, and it brings us into concentration. So there we've taken kind of taken care of the mind. We've occupied it by being in concentration. So then, then what do we do? We've kind of taken care of the mind. We've got the body taken care of. So um, well, we're instructed not to intellectualize. Hmm. So, or to cease pursuing words and following speech. 
Rather, we are asked to stay present by being aware of just this, not nearly as entertaining, but there is the instruction, not to intellectualize. So the intellectualizing is about, <clears throat> um, intellectualizing, there's nothing wrong with it, and it can be useful, but it doesn't bring us into the direct experience of reality, generally. Um, it can help, but it's, it's not the deal. So instead, it's just paying attention to what really is. The sounds that we hear are just what we see in front of us, what's going on, it's, and it's moment by moment, right? Suzuki Roshi says <clears throat> that when we're doing our practice, no matter what, through, through our zazen and also day after day, it's an everyday practice, day after day, we're doing the same thing. And just to keep doing that. And he's very clear about even when you're off the cushion, that you can be doing something. An example would be, say you're carrying something and you drop it. And so a lot of us will say, ah, I'm so, I'm so klutzy or I, I, what a mistake that I've made, I've dropped this thing. So we've gone from just what we're doing, carrying something, we drop it. And he suggests that we drop it, that's fine, but just keep on going. We don't need to have all this head talk about what we think about it. I mean, it doesn't change anything after all. So, um, and, and, and he talks about just being in a, an activity completely, being in a, an activity completely, this wholehearted, effort, not just on the cushion, but every day, wholehearted effort. And what that looks like, a classic example, is flow. Like if you ever watch that movie, Let's Dance with Michael Jordan, I'm not usually a spectator or sports person, but watching that guy play basketball was the most incredible thing. I mean, he's just whooshing all around. There's no thought in anything he does. It's just automatic. It's incredible. And firefighters will do the same thing, and also EMT people. They're just trained and trained and trained, and they just move into action. There's no thought. You just do it. And it's, it's like that. That's the way our practice could be. Could be. Um, it's, it's tough. So we're constantly training. We're constantly training. And the mind so often rebels. It wants something juicier, but that's why we're training. We're training this ox, right? We're training this mind of ours. And then we're asked to learn to take the backward step and turn inside, turn our light inward to illuminate the self. And when we do that, body and mind drop away. Body and mind drop away. What does that mean, body and mind drop away? Well, another way of looking at it is all the attachment we have to our identification. My name, where I come from, what's my profession? I am these things in normal speech, right? 
but they really don't say anything about us who we really are. They talk of this, it's more about our activities, how we wear and how we engage sometimes maybe, but it doesn't tell us who we are really. So, so, so we relax our attachment to our identity in all its forms. We loosen the labels and the meanings attached to them. And we can see ourselves more in the light of pure potentiality. What is my next action? Anything is possible. It's not defined by, these, by this identity. Anything can happen. And then we see ourselves more in the light, the full expression of Buddha nature, and we see others in their Buddha nature. So another way of looking at that is we normally have a very narrow view of things because we have this, this view that we carry around. And it's like being up against the wall, you know, the walls here and your forehead's on it. So you, you can see left and right and you can see a little down, but that's as far as you can see because you've limited your, your perspective just to this one thing. But as we move away from the wall, we start to get a bigger, a bigger view of things. We start to have a larger container in which we can view ourselves and view others, view the world. Because if we don't have a good vantage point, it's not so great. But if we do, we move away from the wall, we increase our perspective and advantage point. So from that place, from this larger container, from this larger perspective, then we can come forward with more authenticity from a more open place where our ego is not in control. It's a place where we can see each other more clearly and more deeply. Again, we can see our Buddha nature and the Buddha nature of others. We can also see the interconnection that, that exists between between everything, actually. And this is the liberation. This is where the liberation of suffering comes. When we have clarity, <clears throat> clarity of mind. This is what Dogen calls the Dharma gate of repose and bliss. The practice realization, practice realization being one word, one thing happening simultaneously of totally culminated enlightenment, the manifestation of ultimate reality. He goes on to say that traps and snares can never reach it. Once its heart is grasped, you are like the dragon gaining the water, like the tiger entering the mountain. For you must know that just there in Zazen, the light, the right Dharma is manifesting itself. And that from the first dullness and distraction are struck aside. 
we come to clarity. So the last encouragement from Dogen in this one piece, and this was the um, Fukan Zazenji, is that you have gained the pivotal opportunity of human form. The pivotal opportunity of human form. Do not use your time in vain. You are maintaining the essential working of the Buddha way. You're a link in the chain, ongoing chain. Thank you. So that's my talk for today. So if anyone has any questions or any comments, feel free to come forward. Jacob, okay, Jacob. There you. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> now, are we meditating temporarily or all the time, 24-7, when we go to work, when we go to school, when we're raising our family? Meditation is happening all the time. Or is it only happening for a moment, for an hour, a day, a week, right? And then you're back again, right? with your fear, your anxiety, your sorrow, your shame, your guilt, your isolation, your envy, your greed, your vanity, your, your jealousy, your biases, your prejudices. So your or does that come to a complete and utter end? Now, beginning with the children at the earliest age, so that they don't have to waste their whole life with even a, a tinge of any mental or emotional disturbance which prevents love, true love, true peace, true happiness, true creativity. As long as there's even an iota of disturbance, inward disturbance, conflict, right? There is no clarity. There is no lucidity. There is no true love. There's only what the mind, right, imagines is love, which is an limitation, imitation and distortion of true love. Okay, so do you have a so, question? Or are you just going to talk? So the question you? is, which is it? Is it temporary? Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Are you present right now? Or do I have to, do you want me to go over it again? No, I don't want you to go over it again. I did hear you. Did he hang up? I think so, Laura. I'm sorry. I, I removed him because he came up when Flint did in the past and it wasn't good. I kind of thought it was him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for doing that. Apologies, Laurie. It's okay. We survived. We're still here. <laughs> we have Bridget. Thank goodness, Bridget. <laughs> Hi, Bridget. Okay, I'm unmuted. Well, it's good to be with you all again. I'm, um, I'm assuming you can hear me. Yes. I did unmute myself. Um, I've been um, struggling a little bit with keeping my practice very focused. And this synopsis you gave is really wonderful. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to attend your 
your retreat, um, I'll be traveling, but I find myself getting so distracted. Um, and I'm just going to give two examples. This morning, as I was driving to Home Depot to get a product needed uh, to clean my house with, I saw a man sitting on the curb by one of these construction sites and he had an empty bottle of water in his hand as I went past and I went past and then I did a U-turn and came back around and rolled down my window and said, are you okay? Because I know construction workers can, you know, fall flat from a heat exhaustion. And he jumped up and said, no, I'm fine. And, and then I get to Home Depot and I'm on the cleaning aisle and a woman is a man and a woman are looking at all the cleaning products, but they have his telephone in his pocket, his back pocket. And this woman is talking about the death of her mom. This is, <laughs> he, has, he has dialed into something where this person is recalling her mother and, and the aisle is blocked. So we're all sort of caught there for a minute while the person reads talking. And so I'm just feeling so, just so sad for this woman whose voice I, is just coming out of his, the, his back pocket. And so they're not even paying attention. And I'm going, oh my goodness, I'm really losing it now. Is it the heat? Or how do I just stay present? Because I get mixed up with getting caught by these things, whether it's the latest indictment of our former president or some other situation, just like the two I've just mentioned. So what do you recommend on how to re, readjust just in these day-to-day -day activities that pull us away? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, distraction is a real problem and it comes in all forms, um, all forms. And we just have to be attentive Pay attention to what are we what are we paying attention to? And in the case of, I mean, stopping and asking if the man was all right, that's a very kind thing to do, Bridget. You're a very kind woman. Um, you have to let it go after he says, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, that's a kindness. Like I don't, I, I don't think that's a problem in my mind. I know it gets in the way of our to-do list, but okay. yeah. And the other one, you know, what can you do? The guy's, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. He's got a phone, you know, the phone in the back of the pocket. It's, you know, who knows what he's doing or who's talking or you know whatever. So we have to kind of move on and focus and figure out what's important right now. That's the main thing. What's the important point right now? What's the important point right now at this moment for you? Right now. Well, right now it's being with all of you and just gratitude for everyone's presence and seeing some new faces and seeing some familiar faces. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Hmm. Sheila, you're, you're muted, I think. Okay. Um, I'm still thinking about Jacob's question. 
uh, taking your example, Laurie, of dropping something and continuing to center and meditate uh, or let it go. And then Bridget's two examples of handling something like that. Um, the mind activity of the man with the empty water bottle and the back pocket telephone talking. Mm -hmm. um, as I understood Jacob's question, it was, is, are we supposed to do this temporarily when we sit for Zazen or all day long, all the time? And uh, I didn't quite hear the answer to that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get to an answer. Um, but yeah, my general thought about that is we sit to practice to know how to do that, how to be with. Yeah. And we leave here and sometimes we're acting from that same mode. I know um, when I think when I start getting anxious about the world or whatever. I think back to an intensive is pay attention, slow down, pay attention and do what you need to do. We have a human life though. We can't just, we want to be available to others in our life, whether we're on the cushion or certainly off the cushion. That's true. But we do have things that we must do, and we can do them in a way that isn't harmful for others, right? But sometimes we still have to have our jobs. We still have to, but the way in which we comport ourselves in the different places, that's bringing it from the cushion. And I don't think we have to be absolute about that, that all the time you have to be, you know, this enlightened being be great if you could but i think it's very hard for a human being to be that all the time but we can be alert of what's going on and paying attention and accessing that 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 larger container so that we can involve ourselves in enlightening activity that is to say using skillful means in whatever we're doing. Does that make sense? Indeed. Uh, and I thought that's what he was saying. You know, that if we could do it all the time. Um, yeah, you know. the only problem I had with his question, it was very absolute. It was white or black. And I don't think anything is just white and black like that. Okay. okay. That was my issue with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the main point I heard was to get to the point of love and, and I, to, to be able to love, hopefully, you know, I mean, it's our ideal. <laughs> no human can do it, but mm -hmm. to, you're calling it um, an enlightening and kind and things like that. And I thought that was the same thing he was saying. Took him yes. a long time to say it, but I thought that's what he was saying. And yeah. I thought that was an important question. Yeah. Thank you for your answer. Yeah, and, and something else that I wanted to say was, um, oh, yeah, um, 
Now I've forgotten it. It was something that I was going to say earlier. It's about continuing, continuing our practice, whatever. It was kind of like that. It's like you make a mistake. As a human, you make mistakes. That's not going to stop. Um, but you can keep on going. Then you just pick up and continue on with your practice, with opening and so forth. You know, you have you have these places where, oh, you know, you get caught and then you. You see it and you take care of it and then you go on. Yeah, May I just respond. Yes. Uh, like the mind, I think when we are thinking about learning something from the past or planning something for the future, mm -hmm. I don't see those as mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well, that's good. Yeah, not being kind is mistakes you could call them but um anyway so that's that's kind of jacob's question can't we use our minds sometimes to learn from the past and plan for the future anyway it's just it's just an interesting question to me yeah anyway. and, and i just want to make one more point that you can you can do your planning and thinking about the past but you can't affect anything except for in the in the present exactly so but yeah learning from the past and planning for the future helped me to do the right thing in the moment sometimes there we go there we go there sometimes thank you so much sheila it's so great to see you it's been a long time all of you except becky becky's not here <laughs> i think you. she has lunch now or breakfast or something <laughs> Ah. Marla. Okay. There's Maria. Hi, Marla. Hi, Lori. Um, I have a question that is likely to sound like a request for a black and white answer because that's one of the things I challenge myself with. Um, it's about labels. Mm -hmm. And you talked about um, relaxing our labels about who we are in terms of our activities and our roles and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in that way, we can come to see our Buddha nature in a container where we're focused inward. And so something that I have done in Zazen, which is really helpful to be when I'm distracted, is to label what's happening and categorize those distractions like, oh, okay, I'm planning, or, oh, I'm worrying, or, oh, I'm self-justifying, so that I get an idea of where the distractions kind of congregate. And so I'm focused on labels, and, and they're not absolute good or bad. Yeah, and that's, that's the deal. It's, you're talking about labeling activity, so you're aware you're, you're being aware of what you're doing, what your mind's doing. And that's a, that's a practice within meditation that's fine. There's no, I don't have any issue with that. What I'm talking about labels is, yeah, the dualistic good or bad, um, uh, you know, right or wrong, or I'm, I am a student and thinking that that's an identity, you know, that it's, it, it is in a way, it categorizes people, but that's, that's the mind. The mind does all this categorization. And so what I'm suggesting is that if we step away and we open, 
we open to this larger container, we can see beyond those labels for ourselves and of, of others. You know, I no longer see, you know, Marla, the student, for example, I see this full personhood, you know, I see this full person with all the capacities that she has and, and see the love contained there. That's all of that. So that's, that's what I was trying to distinguish. Okay. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Jean. There you are. <laughs> so thank you for your talk, Laurie. It was really helpful because I've been struggling with absolutes, you know, right, wrong, good, bad, trying the labels. And uh, I read that this Navajo tribe, they wove into their most sacred shawls errors, mistakes. Deliberately, they made mistakes and they wove it into their most sacred shawl. And they were taught that from those mistakes is where the light comes through, which is kind of like the Japanese vases with gold. And I was thinking of what you said that really like there are no absolutes. My life just does not hold absolutes, but so many times I just keep coming back to it. You know, this was wrong. This was right. This was good. This was bad. And I don't know, it helped to get that perspective from you, you know, from Dogen and all of that, that really there isn't. It's just, and, and the mind wants to be, I don't know, I would use the word entertained. To me, it's more like tortured than entertained. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's so critical and so, I don't know, so categorizing and not not easy and not flowing my mind i'm not saying everybody's that uh this really helps it's there's no there's no place to go it's just what is evolving now what is what is actually here you know in the moment that we're looking and i i think when we get into those modes of criticism and negativity it's really a good practice to question, question those things. So why, why do you think that? Be curious, what's that coming from? Where does that come from? Where do all these ideas come from? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they appear and it's important to say, is that really true? Is that always true? You know, we really have to challenge those, those beliefs. Yeah. yeah, because that's a far cry from deliberately weaving in mistakes so that from the broken places, the light comes through, right? Like that. Yeah, in fact, the, the rakasus are also made that way. Here's, here's the mistake they put. That little um, bit of It'll drive you crazy sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, they, we sew it in our robes as well. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So it's a, an acceptance of of our of our humanness, you know, 
and little little flaws, but they're part of the whole fabric. They don't ruin it. What if they were big? Even if they were big. Even if they're big, the basis of it is love. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just take a minute to say, Jean, you ought to see my rakasu. It's one continuous mistake. <laughs> and who was it that said, uh, you know, our lives are one continuous mistake, one bumbling after another, you know? That's how you learn. Maria. Hi there. Hi, hi. I was just thinking, you know, when we're talking about these mistakes and things, and, and I'm just thinking about, you know, how, you know, I myself and I know many others have this expectation that we should be able to do what we did yesterday, today, or be the same last week as we were today you know, be, be the same or just be this constant when we're in these bodies, these biochemistry bodies that change constantly from fatigue levels and concentration levels, but having this expectation to just be on it or to be able to perform the same or offer the same, you know, me, um, oh gosh, me, me thing is just falling off me, you know, me thing. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> just fell off the altar <laughs> i won't show it too closely to the crowd <laughs> but yeah there's this um there is this kind of i mean i do it to myself where i think i should be this same constant and it's impossible you can't and it's that it's kind of almost like i'm having to get into a a way of just forgiving or accepting that yeah i fluctuate i'm different day to day and i have different capabilities day to day and that's normal it's completely normal and yet there's a there can be a guilt or an anxiety or a worry about not being able to be the same or enough or you know how we kind of have these expectations of ourselves that are impossible and yet we have them and you know what yeah, yeah and i think the reason that we continue to have them is we refuse to accept what is mm. no yeah. if we can if we can accept the fact that we're these human bodies that are constant that as you say constantly changing and they're not some they're not mechanical you know they they work pretty well most of the time and sometimes they're off yeah and it's 
And it's like Flint says, you know, he talks about meeting a world that's constantly changing, but it's, it's meeting a world that's constantly changing with a, a body that's constantly changing. You know, it's not just meeting the outer that's changing, is it? We're always changing as well. So there's always this meeting of the outer change and the constant change and the constant change within. And we wonder why we struggle. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's these two things coming together all the time and it's that it's what you were talking about it's meeting what's just there isn't it that that just just that the whatever's changed there whatever's here and it's adjusting and and recognizing the disturbances that happen all the time and kind of coming back to a regulation coming back to breath it's why we sit isn't it to come back to catch up with ourselves and to kind of come back to a regulation of, of our breath to meet what's changing here and what's changing within as well. Yeah, and I, I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, Katigiri talks a lot about uh, the energy of life and how it's moving and it's everywhere and it's in us and so forth and so on. And I think about, and that it's always um, supporting us. And I've been thinking about that recently and, and realizing that as I go through a day, any day in particular, and I have certain expectations, this is gonna happen and it's gonna happen this way. And a lot of times it doesn't happen that way at all. It happens, you know, the, 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 whatever I was supposed to be at, um, it was canceled. And so it's like, oh, okay. And then something else, and then something help happens because it was canceled. You know, so it's this, the way things interconnect, it's, it's just not the way our brain set it up. And a lot of times we, we're upset because it's not going the way we want when in actuality, if it just flow with the way it goes, it's all fine. Mm. It's a setup. It's a setup that we do. Um, that that disappointment, isn't it? It's that disappointment really helps us see where we're at. You know, how do we react and respond to disappointment, to something changing suddenly? to not being how we, it's like the expectations, isn't it? That's the, like you were saying, all these expectations and suddenly we're disappointed. It's like, it's all, disappointment's almost like a teacher, isn't it? A barometer, where am I up to? How am I, how am I responding to this? Yeah, instead of it letting it do, I mean, it sounds so easy. Well, just let it be what it is. Well, no, I had the whole day planned around that. <laughs> Yeah, and it can be so hard to just drop into, right, what now then? This is it now. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got all the echoes of our expectations and plans still swimming around. And it's like, you know, and it's that just dropping all of that and just, right, okay, let's begin again, because that's not happening now. And for me, th this idea that the universe is actually is actually supporting us, it makes it a little bit easier I'm not in charge of this, you know, I'm not in charge of what happens, you know, with other people or the, you know, the universe, what happens. I don't have any control over that. So might as well, like I said, easier said than done, but it, but it's, it's helped me to, to, to think about it in that way. Oh, the universe has decided to take it this way. Well, let's see what happens now. It's, yeah, and it's that aligning, isn't it? Aligning and realigning, just realigning 
you know, reg it's like they say about regulate, regulate your life. Josh did a talk about it a while ago, that regulate your life about kind of just really meeting what is. And that's how we regulate being aligned and meeting it with acceptance. Even if it's good, bad, whatever, it's just meeting it. This is what's happening. Like you said, we've no control. This is what's happening. So we can either fight it and resist it or we can meet it. And what's going to create the most suffering? Yeah. You know, if we kind of resist it, we're going to suffer more, aren't we? Then even if it's a horrible situation, we're going to suffer more if we resist that situation rather than kind of right. Let's yeah, because we're, we're stopping, stopping the flow when we resist and we want to grasp onto things and hold them tight. Mm. plant them into time and yeah. and it's so hard isn't it to just <laughs> that's why we practice that's why we sit that's why we practice. <laughs> oh, dear. thank you so much laurie all righty so um i guess we better close it's time and we'll just do the four practice principles so Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you all for your presence. See you soon. Thank you so much, Lori, for your presence and, and your gentleness and your strength today. What a wonderful example you are. Thank you everyone who came forward today. Um, also, just so you know, we care about you and we care about your, your privacy. So if you came forward and you spoke and you don't want that on the recording, please just let me or Maria know we can always Take you off there. Thank you. Opamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity, and every single one of you make a huge difference. There's a link on the website for contributions. Thank you. Now handing it over to Miss Maria.